Hey everyone, we're continuing our property series during the month of August and today is Q&A day where we answer your questions. So strap in, you're listening to Mind Over Money. Back in a bit. Okay, before we start the questions, just keep in mind that everything we discuss today is for education purposes only. It's not personal financial advice. And we're recording this on August the 12th of 2022. So things may change by the time you listen to this episode. G'day, Archie. How are you doing today? G'day, Lachlan. Yeah, doing fantastic. Hey, before we start, I have a question for you. What do you call a cow in an earthquake? What do you call a cow in an earthquake? A milkshake. <laughs> hey, it's Friday. We need to, we needed a laugh. I'm just practicing my dad jokes again. Also, you, actually, you know, for listeners, they may not know this, but you were you were a financial advisor for many years to dairy farmers, weren't you? Yep. Uh, not exactly a financial advisor. I was dairy advisor. So I focused on feeding cows as well as, uh, yeah, milking cows as well as finances. Nice. All right, we're going to have to do a whole episode on that one day because I've heard some really cool stories uh, out of your years of being a dairy advisor. So, okay, but today we're on to the questions. We've got a bunch of them, so let's let's get right into them. Um, the first question we got is from Jamie. It is this, how difficult is it to get a home loan with a major bank if you're a business owner? Uh, it's interesting that they went with the major bank in this question. I think he was referring to like, can you only go subprime lending if you're a business owner? Uh, or, uh, you know, some business owners, they think they have to go low doc. Uh, low doc. Yeah. So th- there are that, you know, you do have that low doc option there. But yeah, as soon as you go down that path, you're going to pay a much higher interest rate uh, hmm. because the, the bank will be taking a higher risk. Uh, and so they'll they'll increase the interest rate because of that. Um, but look, as a business owner, you can put in a normal application and uh, get a normal home loan you know, for yourself. And the main thing is um, work with your accountant and you know, tell your accountant you're going to go for a home loan and your accountant will make sure that they're, they're doing your finances in a way that you can actually get a home loan. Yeah, I guess the accountant would be making sure that you're not switching business structures too much or, or messing around with things that could affect uh, your trading or affect your ability to get a loan. Yeah, well, sometimes, you know, they might be deferring some tax to the next year uh, by, you know, helping you reduce your income now. And they can change that and they can make sure that your income's good now. Uh, you're still going to pay the tax, but, you know, they can put you in a position where you can get your home loan. And if you're a business owner that's done some, let's say, creative accounting and uh, not showing any income personally, uh, that might be an opportunity to talk to your accountant and uh, start getting some income on the books uh, so that you can get that home loan. Yeah. We should be mindful that, you know, if we're paying for personal things through the business, you know, such as cars and, uh, you know, some of the house costs and stuff, the bank is still going to count those costs as normal costs when they do your home loan. So, so you've already paid it through the business, but then the bank's going to count it again through, through their actual home loan application because they're required to buy APRA. And so that's where some, you know, that's where some business owners will go down the path of doing a low doc and pay the extra interest. 
Yeah, great question, Jamie. Hey, next one's from Luke, and I feel like this is going to be a popular one that we should hit uh, for all first-home buyers. The question is, what kind of government schemes are out there at the moment that can help first-home buyers? There are a couple out there. Hey, Archie. Yep. So the first thing is, if you're a first-home buyer, we've got the stamp duty concession uh, that applies uh, for you know properties up to 550000 And that's quite a saving uh, you know, in money that you would have to come up with up front uh, when you don't have to pay that stamp duty. Uh, the second one is an actual grant, uh, you know, where you're given up to $15,000 there towards building a new home or buying a new home that hasn't been lived in yet. Uh, the third one, uh, which I find is really helpful, is the 5% deposit scheme. So it's a first home guarantee. And so you, you come up with 5% deposit and it's a special loan. Uh, so, so there's 50,000 spots available through those loans. And uh, so basically it's, it means that you don't have to pay mortgage insurance. And uh, you know, mortgage insurance is an insurance for the bank, not for you, uh, because you're coming in with a low deposit. The bank wants to ensure that they're protected and they'll, they'll get you to pay that that insurance uh, to, to ensure that they have that protection because your, your deposit's low. So this scheme is basically backed by the government and the government's saying that, you know, if anything goes wrong, they'll pay the bank whatever money they might lose. And LMI for um, typically under a 20% deposit, over 80% LVR, it can get pretty pricey. Hey, it can get up to $10,000, $15,000 even higher sometimes, depending on how big the property. Oh, yeah, it's... It's all dependent on the value of the property. Yeah, good thing about this scheme is that we've got a cap in Queensland of seven hundred thousand for Brisbane for property price, or yeah. five hundred fifty thousand the rest of the state. So it gives you more flexibility to find a house at a good price. That's that's what I like mm. about this five percent deposit scheme. Um, yeah, yeah, rather than trying to build or you know buy something new. Um, yeah. There's also some regional home guarantee uh, places as well. Uh, then we've also got the 2% deposit scheme for single parents. Yeah, this is a new addition. This is exciting. Yeah, this one came out, I think it was a couple of years ago, actually. Um, but yeah, it's great for single parents and it doesn't require you to be buying a first home. It could be your second home. Uh, so you could have had property before, but you're in a position where as a single parent, you want to buy a home and the government's you know guaranteeing that you can do it on a 2% deposit, which is really nice. Yeah. And there's about 10,000 places, I think, for that one. Um, but this, this whole overarching first home guarantee scheme, uh, there are about, I think it's 27 participating lenders in this scheme. So, yep. and each of those will have caps on them. So I think you really just got to talk to a mortgage broker uh, yes. to see which bank would be best suitable, which lender, I should say, should be best suitable for, your, for you and uh, see if you can get in that place. That's right. And if the places fill up, you know, they'll open up again next financial year. So you might just have yeah. to wait a couple of months. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, lots of great schemes. Uh, go Australia. <laughs> Got lots of lots of helpful ways to, to get into your first home. Hey, uh, Tegan asked a question. Uh, how do you know it's the right time to buy financially? Actually, she asked a few questions. How do you stand out as a candidate to buying a home? And also, is it wise to buy a home when things are potentially heading towards a crash or some kind of change in the property market? Yeah, well, okay, so that, let's talk about the crash first. Um, <laughs> yeah, 
again, bad news sells. So what's the media selling at the moment is a property crash. And I've heard this all my life, that we're heading for a property crash. And what I've found over time is that there are crashes in certain areas, basically due to financial crisis. So we tend to usually see these crashes more so in Sydney and Melbourne, in certain suburbs, uh, and it's because of something that's happened financially. And you know, stuff that's mm. happened in the past is that people have lost jobs uh, due to economic changes, and you know, those people live in a certain area, and so once they lose their jobs, they you know they find themselves in financial stress, and they're selling their houses, and then if there's a whole group of houses coming on the market at the one time that's when we can see a crash you know and we've seen property prices in Sydney and Melbourne drop 20 30 percent at times in certain suburbs and then go back up again mm. well I don't think we're, we're going to lose jobs we're at 3.5 percent unemployment so we're the lowest in history <laughs> yeah. so would it would it take something else that yeah that would cause a local crash yeah we've also seen in the past where uh, investors will pull out of an area and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be looking at, again, the news or the media and seeing something's happening in an area and, uh, you know, it could be that there's a major change in a company or a major change in defence or something mm. which is going to have an impact and so suddenly the investors could be pulling out. So there's, there's some reason for it. Uh, back in 2008, 2009, when we had the global financial crisis, we, we saw some areas, you know, drop in price by up to 50%, but they were also at a very much a high as well. And uh, what happened there with that global financial crisis was, again, loss of jobs. So, so there, was a, there was a big cut in middle management, and so all the higher-priced properties took a cut. Uh, mm. Lower-priced properties didn't change because so, it was, again, dependent on who was being affected uh, by what was happening in the economy. Okay, so it sounds like you really need to look into the suburb that you're buying into and what what are the demographics and things that happen in that area. Yeah, so so there's some areas, you know, where, uh, say, Toowoomba is an example. Toowoomba's economy is made up of uh, defence, uh, education, agriculture, manufacturing, uh, you know, services, uh, health. There's just such a big um it's a diversity in Toowoomba yeah diversity yes in Toowoomba yeah. which keeps the economy quite stable yeah and and so it keeps house prices quite stable shout out to mayor antonio if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's like you said that's where you got to look at the area and and what it's being affected by whereas we've seen other places uh you know other other areas such as say Noosa in the 2008 2009 global financial crisis, Noosa property prices went right down because it became a ghost town. There was just mm. virtually no one there. Yeah, I remember what saved it was Kevin Rudd actually opening it up to international buyers. So basically, yeah. the, the only reason Noosa recovered was um, people overseas swooped in um, and, and mm. bought up those homes. Yeah. <laughs> so again, the government does work on trying to keep house prices up. Yeah. Um, what else we got there in that one? When's the right time to buy? Um, yeah. The right time to buy is as soon as possible, really, uh, <laughs> because you need time to pay off your home. And yeah. 
you know, and especially if you're, um, you know, in a position where you can actually jump in and pay your home off quickly, uh, that's a good time to buy and get in and start paying it off. Okay. Um, great question. Thanks, guys, uh, for sending these questions in. And if you want to send us a question about anything, just go to waymakerpodcast.com.au and uh, or just message us on Instagram, waymakerfinance. Matt asks, if one partner has a terrible credit history, can you leave them off the mortgage but add them to the title? Sounds like a question for a friend. I have had this um, only once before, and we found that the banks uh, didn't want the person with the bad credit history to be on the title. And there's also an APRA ruling, you know, where we should, uh, the, to, for the person to be on the title, they have to have an interest, you know, in the loan as well. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so the banks are pretty particular about this, that, yeah, if that person shouldn't be on the mortgage, then they shouldn't be on the title. And, and it's probably safer that way anyway, uh, you know, yeah. if, if someone's got a bad credit history. Because you don't, you don't want, um, uh, you know, someone being declared bankrupt and then, you know, losing your house over it. I um, also had a friend ask me this week about equity. So I'm going to throw this question in. Do you need to get your home revalued or refinanced before you can actually access any of your home equity? Yeah, this is an interesting one. Uh, some, I feel like people think that this is free money, uh, but it's not. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, let's say your property price went up by $100,000 and you want to access that $100,000, uh, you are going to need to uh, borrow that $100,000 against your house, you know, to access that money. I think this is where people get tripped up. They think they can just grab the money and it's just there, but they do have to actually refinance, right? They have to increase the amount that they're borrowing. Yeah, you've got to increase the amount that you're borrowing. Uh, It's quite often talked about as a strategy for buying investment properties is use the equity in your home. And I've seen this go really wrong. I've actually seen people lose their home because they use the equity of their house to buy an investment property or several investment properties. And they found themselves in cash flow problems and, again, loss of jobs. And uh, you know they found themselves being forced to sell and it had a big impact on them and you know even losing their own home and the equity that they had in their own home. Yeah, that, that kind of answers the next question and the last question that we had, which was, around using equity to buy investment properties but for the purposes of you know getting tax deductions to maybe pay off your own principal place of residence and you know we said this i think before on the show that things like investment properties need to be done with proper advice because if you don't do it well you can land in trouble uh, you can land in a world of trouble especially around cash flow if you can't service that property for the 15 or 20 or 30 years that you want to hold it to get that long-term return. Um, so what are some other things that people need to, to be aware of in, in this space before we close out? Yeah. The more complex something gets, uh, s- such as investment properties, because now we're talking uh, we've got to pay higher stamp duties. There's much higher costs to move into an investment property uh, that you've got to pay for. And uh, you know, now we've got tax issues as well that have to be taken into consideration so so when you're starting to look at something more complex, you're talking a lot more risk and you really need to have your professionals on board. So you, you, you know, that's where it's going to be so important to have mortgage broker, uh, buyer's advocate, 
tax accountant, you know, to work it all through and come up with a really good strategy because uh, it's the strategy is going to be critical here. You probably need to have your spouse on board too uh, because I've seen a lot of people just jump out and do this stuff and um, it can cause some pretty big tension in a marriage. Yes, <laughs> yeah. You don't have that other person really understanding and agreeing uh, with something as big as an investment property strategy. Yeah, and, and look, the, the, the tax benefit might only be, say, $3,000 for the year and you might have had to have spent fifty or 100000 to get that $3,000 tax benefit but it's only a tax deferral. Uh, it's just deferring tax for a little while. It may not actually be any money in your pocket. So this mm-hmm. is where it gets quite complex and quite risky because you, you could find yourself without the flexibility to be able to change you know, when your circumstances change and uh, you can end up losing quite a lot. So uh, yeah, well worthwhile checking that out. There are other systems uh, you know, that, uh, I use as a financial planner, which carry way less risk and are way more flexible, especially for families. And one of those is Mortgage Crusher. And you know, we, we use that system because you know, we're quite risk averse and we'd much rather see people win than to see people take a lot of risk and lose. Yeah, it's well worth pointing out. Um, yeah, our last episode was with Matt Tembo, buyer's advocate. Um, so in, in purchasing an investment property is one big challenge and you want to get that right, but you also need proper advice to make sure that that investment property is is going to work correctly and not be a, a drain on your cash flow and that you've got the, the adequate income and you're happy with the limited flexibility, I guess, the short-term pain to, to keep that property in service at, uh, just to make sure that it's going to work for you and your family. Um, otherwise it can cause a lot of stress and yeah, mortgage crusher is something that we're going to talk about on next week's episode as well. Um, because it is a great, uh, strategy, uh, that I think our listeners will, will love learning about learning more about. And, uh, and so let's, let's, uh, let's park that there. And next week we're going to talk about mortgage crusher as a strategy This is a strategy that you do need a financial planner, one of our wealth partners to implement, Um, Mm. but it's an amazing system that allows you to pay your home off in 10 years or less. So that's pretty cool and do so in a tax effective way. So we're going to be chatting about that next week. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, until then, guys, thanks for sending all your questions in. Thanks for answering them, Archie. This is two episodes this week we got out, actually. We're on a bit of a roll here. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. It's probably because I went on holidays, come back refreshed. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> Thanks, Archie. See you next week, guys. Thanks, Lachlan. Bye, everyone. And just a reminder that everything we discussed today is for education purposes only. It does not consider your personal financial situation or goals. So if you'd like to speak to someone about your personal finances, you should head to waymakerpodcast.com.au and we'd be happy to connect you with a qualified advisor. Thanks as always for listening to Mind Over Money. We hope you have a fantastic weekend.